This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun. And that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Greetings, greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kids of all ages. Welcome to Star Talk Radio. I am your guest host, Bill Nye, and with me is my beloved colleague and insightful science commentator, Chuck Nice. Hey, Bill. And today is some more Cosmic Queries. Yes. Where we attempt to comment and answer your queries from the cosmos. <laughs> I was going for some alliteration there. I, I think you got it. Hey, sounds. I think you nailed it. Well, let's uh, let's take our first query. All right. So uh, let's just jump right into this. This is. You know what? Before we before we go any further, since we're right, we at the hardly top, started. Before, Chuck. Yeah, exactly. Since we're right at the top of the show, why don't we take a question from our Patreon patron? Someone. Oh, a Patreon patron. So yeah. if you're a patron of Star Talk, right through Patreon, you, through Patreon. You have a question. Wait, wait, it's not working. A question, a query. Uh-huh. And we're definitely going to read it because uh, you have proven yourself and your loyalty uh, ah, by yes. giving up your substance to this show. Yes. Yeah. So okay. if you support the show, we'll get your question on. Hey, man. Dig it? Kind of sounds a little That's quid pro works. quo to me, but That's who am I, is. right? Quid. Who am I? I don't judge. You know? Quid pro quo is an excellent way to tie in with cosmic query questions. Nicely done. Done, Bill. Hit me the Nye. ball, Chuck. We got to oh, keep moving here. Man, I was impressed with that. I got to say, this is from Yawa, and she says, "A Queens, New York native, asking, isn't there a fundamental difference between genetically modified foods and the cultivation of foods?" Uh, is there a fundamental difference? Uh, so, I think by cultivation, she I think she means traditional hybridizing. Mm-hmm. Where you would uh, take the uh, pollen from one plant, shake it onto the eggs, the ova of another plant. And see what happens. And you get a hybrid, yeah. Mm. So George Washington is That's said to have done this. Sounds sexy. Uh, it is, literally. That sounds no, sexy, uh, baby. No, no. This is what happened in nature. We have two sexes, yeah, okay. males and females. Okay. But, uh, but in uh, fungi, it right. is believed certain species have hundreds of sex types. Aha. Uh-huh. And that's a whole nother deal out there in the land of fungus. So what happens Clearly is, in the land of fungus. fungus so fungus. humans have been hybridizing within species, shaking pollen from one plant onto the eggs of another. Okay. For centuries. Shake it, baby. But we found out that not only in nature, not only do humans now, biotechnologists, have the ability to take genes from one species and insert them into another. For example, the Bacillus thuringiensis bacterium gene into the corn okay. or the soybean, making BT soybeans, BT corn, right. which the corn borer eats the protein from the barren, uh, Bacillus thuringiensis, uh, crystallizes in the corn borer's gut, and the corn borer <clears throat> dies. 
What? So that's right. That's the deal. So that's why the corn borer is not a problem anymore. Instead of fighting these or these pests, so you let the plant do the fighting for right. you. Instead of fighting the pests with chemicals of right. death, we're uh, empowering death. the plant to do it on that's its right. own. That's right. And yeah. so you do it as carefully as you can, to be sure. But the other thing that was discovered recently, as I mentioned in our recent show, is that uh, sweet potatoes, in this way of example, yeah. This happened naturally. A virus got its genes in sweet potatoes, the ones that we know and love. Mm -hmm. And we supported that as cultivators of sweet potatoes and encouraged that in nature. So it happens in nature, and now we're doing it uh, scientifically or biotechnologically. And the difference really becomes blurry, uh, whether it's like, natural or humans yeah, are doing right, it. Right, because all we're kind of doing is mimicking what nature has already well, that's done. The claim. Yeah, so the whole thing, though, your concern is if you're doing it so fast that you're going to do something in the ecosystem that nobody anticipated. Mm -hmm. And you don't want the so-called knock-on or unintended consequences. Right. And the classic like example lizard of this, babies or something like, you know. Uh, yes. Yeah. Like the Jurassic Park. That's what uh, I'm saying. <laughs> Lizard babies uh, or, uh, uh, you know, uh, or an intelligent Jurassic dinosaur. Yes. Named Charlie. <laughs> who leads us all sorts of trouble with that. Right. Uh, that, and the unintended consequence that really did happen in nature through humans, we developed this, we, people developed this herbicide called glyphosate. Kills all the weeds, kills all of everything. Everything. Except the plants that have this cool gene in them that allows them to grow right through it. Uh, we also killed the milkweed. And the milkweed, which I now prefer to call milk flower, oh. is what, yes, is what the monarch butterflies rely on. Oh, really? Yeah. So we accidentally have decimated uh, the monarch butterfly population, reduced it over the last two decades by 90%. Which is probably a good thing because when they flap their wings over here, it causes a pretty bad storm in Japan. Oh, this is the uh, butterfly effect. <laughs> That's but seriously. I, go ahead. It's brilliant, Chuck. <laughs> really, really good. Really brilliant. Uh, so the thing is, you don't want that where you're accidentally wiping out a pollinator, right. potential pollinator species. Right. So I went to the meeting in Minneapolis, the Monarch Venture, where they got the crazy bleeding heart liberal hippies. Okay. Like me. Uh, and the corporate pigs, like ConAgra, Monsanto, Dow Pioneer. Boo. Well, anyway, they all got together. They all want to bring monarchs back. And they believe that they can by creating this so-called hopscotch highway of milk flowers gotcha. growing these milkweeds on purpose right. in certain tracts of land on the flyways that the monarchs exploit getting north and south. So and along their migration path, you purposely put this milk flower. They have a monarch filling station from north to That's south. It. That's it. And along the way, they're doing a the little butterfly horizontal mambo and we get more and more monarchs. That's right. So they're, they're, the prediction of the venture, this group that met in Minneapolis, diverse group, people that you would not think getting along are all in this, I got to say, as an observer, they're all in this getting along. They believe that this year the monarch population will go back up. Wow. One test is worth a thousand expert opinions. So stay tuned and let's see if the monarchs come back. Let's there you take go. a look. All right, people. There you have it. That was a great question. Let's move on to Dave Ross from Facebook, who says, Dearest Mr. Nye, my God, it sounds like the I beginning of a guy. Civil War letter. 
Dearest Mr. Nye, the days here have been brutal. <laughs> wow, Chuck. <laughs> Chuck, 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 come back. Here we go. Sorry. Chuck. All right. Okay. Here we go. Okay. Dearest Mr. Nye, uh, what do you find to be the best way to explain to people that GMOs are harmless and can actually be beneficial to humanity? This is a guy who's already on your side here, Bill. Are there any dangers to local ecosystems if GMOs manage to find their way? Ooh. Outside of farmers' fields, this is a great question. Because no, they do. I mean, they do find their way outside. You get a little wind blown. They right? get wind blown. Yeah, yeah. So, it's, it's, so, so, it can that happen? Can we actually well, decimate unintentionally uh, neighboring crops because you're using GMOs? They get caught up in the wind, and now somebody's growing them, even though they don't want to. Oh, well, this is a concern of certain. Uh, organic farmers that these seeds end up in their soil, they get contaminated, and they work very hard to sort them out. With that said, I would ask you, mm-hmm. how often do soybeans grow in your yard? You know, not that much, but in the in nothing the, grows in my yard, Bill. But in I have salted areas, the earth. In agricultural areas, if you people have to be very diligent, but most most plants that grow as crops, okay are planted on purpose. That's I guess that's where the word plant is tied in. So if you're not planting them on purpose, there's just not that much uh, contamination. And the infamous cases where when people claim they got canola growing, uh, that grew into their, that flew into their fields accidentally and right. started growing, but there is substantial evidence that those cultivars were carefully cultivated. This is to say one guy claimed that these seeds blew into his field but they really didn't. He really planted them. Oh. And so this he's, is where So basically notorious, he's trying to skirt paying for seeds. Well, that's, so by the way, if you watch that movie, Food Incorporated, and this you know, guy's in tears about the seeds, it turns out he was reported by his neighbors uh-huh. who were resentful of him not paying the uh, licensing fee for these extraordinary or these improved, claimed to be improved seeds. So I get it. I mean, he's a seed hacker. He was a seed hacker, which is understandable, but the neighbor, seeds. his neighbors were angry about it. Snitches. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, by the way, Dave, that was a great great answer, Bill. Uh, you don't the- have to sound so surprised, Chuck. <laughs> so Dave, actually, uh, I want to read this because he says, as an aside, I'm proud to say I'm a relatively new member of the Planetary Society's you, Discovery Team. I love you, Dave. The Discovery Team's a level of uh, participation we encourage you all to consider. So we just had a big success, you know. We launched our light sail spacecraft. Yes, we did. qualified the thing, which is, takes vibration and thermal vacuum testing and all this stuff. And then we got it on a rocket. Then we got it into space. We deployed the sails. We took a picture. Mission success. Nice. Congratulations. And next year will be bigger and cooler. I mean, the orbit will be bigger and uh, much more, um, to me, much more exciting. All right. Except we pulled it off, which was pretty exciting. That is exciting. And you should be proud. I am. Excellent. Let's move on to Juan Diego Lopez. Juan Lopez. I have to say it like that. Juan Diego Lopez. You could say it with a Hispanic uh, Juan Lopez. No. Okay. Juan Diego <laughs> Lopez. Okay. You kill my father. Never mind. <laughs> Are you confusing <laughs> that trauma with a, a, a kung fu movie? Because uh, okay. <laughs> they have a lot of the same issues. You know, they, get, <laughs> they do. Those, but that would be you kill my master. <laughs> that's, those are evolutionary ties that's there funny. where you know, if your family 
and you mess with somebody, a family member, it's like the mafia. You know, there's trouble. That's always, always. always trouble. That's right. You have the right to avenge my death. That's right, yeah. Okay. This is, uh, hey, Juan says, hi from Bogota, Colombia. Okay. Let me see if I can get this right now. Uh, why is that? Why is it that the protection of genetic patrimony, literal translation from the Spanish term, I don't know if it's right, is way more strict for GMOs than for actual endemic plants and animals. Both are profitable, but endemic plants often have new chemicals that we can use for medicine. For example, you can take samples of endemic life in Colombia to the U.S. relatively easy. But if you dare to try to bring seeds of alfalfa from the U.S., it's impossible or even illegal. So I think what, what, what Juan is really wanting to know is, why do we stop um, people from bringing flora and fauna from different countries to other countries? Well, shooting from the hip, you don't want to contaminate ecosystems. Right? Okay. But he's asking, a, sounds like an agricultural policy question. Hey, I think he is because he's so, talking about endemic plants. So I don't, I don't work for Pioneer Seeds or Monsanto Seeds, but I imagine that there's something in Colombia where they don't want these the man to bring these farm products to their farms so mm -hmm. that they can have their own farms. It's like a tariff. It's what it sounds like. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not an expert on the farm policy in Colombia. But gotcha. uh, I'll tell you this. In India, where there's a lot of subsistence or near subsistence farming, in Africa, where there's a lot of close to the bone farming, right? Everybody embraces genetically modified seeds because they get much higher yield, and they do not are not subject to these pests and these plant diseases that are troublesome for farmers. So that's got to be part of the thinking uh, for those of you who are voting and taxpaying with respect to the. Uh, commerce associated gotcha. with agricultural products. <gasps> Take it, Chuck. All right. Um, with that being said, here, let me ask you a question from Chuck Nice. Uh, Chuck Nice comes to us from the Argo Studios, uh, Star Talk Radio. From right across this table. Chuck Nice comes to us from right across the table. <laughs> What's the capital of right across the table? Uh, that would be... Um, right across the table city. Yes. Right across the table Annapolis. And uh, Cupville, which is uh, Cupville, located right is, here. It's right, the Cupville is right across right the table. Right where cup is. So here's the thing. Um, as we talk about this, I believe that a lot of this is due to the fact that uh, there seems to be a great deal of secrecy around GMOs when it comes to these large companies and these multinational uh, agricultural, agricultural companies. Why is it that they seem to be so proprietary, somewhat secretive, and also they go out of their way to stop labeling from happening, which elicits suspicion from the general public. Uh, you got me on the labeling thing. Okay. I, I told those uh, people at Monsanto and when I was at the Monarch Butterfly meeting at, I guess it was Pioneer Dow, Dow Pioneer Seeds, I told them, why don't you just put on there, proudly GMO, go for it. That would help. Well, would it? Or would it have this huge backlash against the people who... Uh, protest these things, and they, the guy was singing a song about Monsanto must burn, and <laughs> uh, 
I don't know. Would it, or would it have a backlash? Well, no, it'll have if, a backlash in the, initially. In the short term. In the short term. And then people will actually start Listen to, looking so at Chuck it. Chuck Nice is preaching it, everybody. Bring I, it on. Well, no, I'm just saying the natural progression would be you deal with the backlash, which causes people to take note, which causes them to do some research, and then they find out the truth. And if the truth is innocuous, then it's not a big deal exactly. anymore. So I say let the market sort it out. I say this all the time. If, if, they think, if people think they can grow organic food that's more appealing and cheaper and better and so on, then people will buy that stuff instead of the traditional farm foods. So we'll see. I mean, I say, you got me. Why okay. don't they try it? Why don't they try it? All right, here we go. This is Joshua White from Facebook. He wants to know, hey, Bill, when do you think GMOs will be used to bioremediate contaminated areas like plants that are specifically designed to draw up heavy metals out of soil or bacteria that can clean up underground aquifers contaminated with solvents? Uh, that's a great idea. And so the, the place to start with that, mm -hmm. making, let's say in this case, bacteria that could metabolize oil in an oil spill. Okay, now we're talking some serious money here. I love the way you're thinking. So that would be a really cool application. Yeah. However... Can we do that? Because I need some money, because that would be great. So are you in the oil spill cleanup business? No, but I Not will yet. be. If, I Not will yet. be. <laughs> so this is a good example of a place where maybe you could take the organic chemicals, and organ, organic chemicals are chemicals that come from organisms, which nominally have carbon. That's what organic chemistry is. Mm -hmm. And you could have some bacteria that could metabolize that, and then leave behind all the other stuff that comes out of oil wells, sulfur and so on, and let it sink to the bottom of the ocean. Or metabolize that too and make it into some amazing plastic or right. have it all stick together in a big in a big oil tar sheet that is much easier to lap up with your oil tar right. sheets lapping up ship. Yeah, your oil tar bounty. Yeah, uh, right. so this would be an example of something that uh, – I mean, a place to start. As far as taking heavy metals out of the soil, that's okay. Then you got to put process those plants. That might be a fine thing. So uh, now, like uh, at a uh, landfill, and so, so when you some place where you want to build a condominium or whatever. Well, when you just uh, pull the stuff out of the soil and then uproot the trees and then use them for something else. That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. okay. And then build your condos right there without having the children at risk of uh, being around all these heavy metals. Gotcha. That's a great, I mean, it's a fine idea. I'm not in that business, and I got a feeling, though, there's somebody who is. Man, those guys at Monsanto, they, I'm not saying it's all about Monsatan, okay, everybody? Please. But they spend $2 million a day on, on, on research. A day. See, they spend almost $100 million a year on research, not on... Not on shipping their products, right. just on research. Okay. And that's, I think they're a victim of their own success. And I know the feeling, look at you and me, Chuck. Right. We're victims of our own success because we've been so fascinating in this first segment of Star Talk Radio <laughs> that it's that over. we're out of time. Get out of so here. stay tuned. We'll be right back. It's Chuck Nice and Bill Nye. You're listening to Star Talk. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% 
of the US on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, kids of all ages. Bill Nye here, your host, your guest host of Star Talk Radio. I'm here with my beloved fellow science commentator, Chuck Nice. Hey. And today is the next segment of your Cosmic Queries, where we uh, work hard to answer your questions that have come into us from the electric internet out there in the cyber ether space that all the all the kids are using. All oh, the kids are doing it, and we're so, going to do it, too. So hit me the first question there, okay. Dr. Nice. All right, here we go. Coming from uh, Facebook, this is Sylvain uh, Boutigny. Ah, yes. Okay. Facebook wants to know, I would be interested uh, in having your insights about genetically modified animals. And how important they may be for basic research as well as the pharmaceutical industry. Now, you are opening up a whole nother can of worms here, buddy, because we're talking about animals. Plants are insentient. Animals have feelings. So where do you stand, Bill? Plants are insentient. Insen Bring it on, Chuck. Yeah. That is all, they don't think. They don't think. As far as we know. That's right. Well, ever, as far as we know. That's right. Uh, Did you ever see the original movie, The Thing? Oh, it's good. I don't think I did. Imagine no heart, no feelings, the perfect creature. And it's because the thing is like this vegetable deal. All right, All right. so uh, we do genetically modify animals. And this we're talking about lab rats that glow in the dark, the little mice. Or the mouse with the ear on its forehead, the yeah, human so, ear. Yeah, so these are very important to our research. These are very important to the way humans know uh, our, our genes. And on balance, I'm in favor of it. And, and I'm not a vegetarian. Maybe one day soon I will become one. No, no, you won't. Uh, well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, but you love bacon too much. I mean, maybe. <laughs> but I understand. You know, we raise animals to kill them and eat them routinely. So we, by analogies, analogy, we raise especially mice for laboratory studies that uh, that enable wonderful things. With that said. I'm very sympathetic to the idea that there's a there's a line that you draw, right? And a rhesus monkey is like very similar in in to me in many ways superior to my old boss. <laughs> so 
I can understand where you don't want to do experiments on on that guy or gal. That. <laughs> well, you met him, <laughs> so you know who I'm talking about. So uh, I kid because I love. Oh, that's hilarious. If you're one of my old bosses out there, uh, just notice that consider yourself an amalgam. You are the old, uh, for Bill Nye, the old boss is a, <laughs> is a mixture of many characteristics of people for whom I worked. And I remind you all. Composite a, man. A, yes. As a uh, manager myself nowadays, people don't f- quit jobs. Right. They quit bosses. So with that said. I think it's still very important for humankind to have access to these so-called laboratory models. That's the noun they use to describe these rats and mice. Okay. That we have, whose genes we have modified to understand our own genes. So now, uh, with that being said, okay. So you do you're 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 saying that it is important. Um, should there be a push? Uh, (laughs) That sounded like a very specific kind of push for a second there. Uh, Should there be a push to find a different way or, now here's my my follow-up, to genetically modify these animals so that as you work on them, they feel no pain or like do you understand me like i do suppose you could genetically modify a mouse so that the pain receptors a mouse is born with no pain receptors therefore it never knows any type of physical suffering because it can never feel that should Uh, that be the way that we handle it that's a hard question chuck because i don't know that you can prove that a mouse would never do that plus would it really be a mouse and would it be a good model for a human Gotcha. After you changed it. And ah. so the example I give you see? See? is okay. I know a guy, not too well, but I know a guy who's in his 30s who wants to have his head frozen so that in centuries hence, they can unfreeze his head and connect it to some future unfrozen head machine. And he will then be able to conduct his life and experience life three centuries from now. With that said... <laughs> After you do that, can you really replicate the brain combined with the central nervous system? Now, we're talking about mice in a laboratory. Right. And so I, I believe that, like, try to talk without moving your hands, even when we're on the radio. It's- there's something going on between, there's feedback between your distant nerve endings and your brain. And so I think if you were to modify a mouse so that it felt no pain, I'm not sure it would still be a good model for a person. There's people, I'm sure, who think deep thoughts about this. Right. Uh, but, and I don't know the answer. Yes, and uh, those people are heads in a jar. <laughs> That's what we're looking at. All right, well, listen, that was a really uh, thought-provoking question, Sylvan, uh, or Sylvain, and we appreciate you for that. Let's move on to Brandon. Wow. God. You guys, Bra- you can't see Chuck's face, but he's... <laughs> A back he has taken. A back he has been taken. <laughs> okay. Brandon. Brandon, this better be good. I got a feeling it is. Ag Agkamaran. Brandon Agkamaran. 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 Okay. I the brandster. I, I think I got it. <sighs> Brandon says, hey, Bill, considering you've been on both sides of the argument on GMOs, can you? In your opinion, I don't know whose else opinion you would do it I'm in. I'm very good at mine. Yeah. Uh, list the most beneficial and non-beneficial reasons for GMOs. Ooh, nice one, uh, Mr. Uh, oh, he spelled it out phonetically here. Agkamarin. Agkamarin. So, uh, Mr. Agkamarin, here's the deal. He wants you 
to play your own devil's advocate. Yeah, good and bad. Yeah. So, so as they say, this the is, good ladies thing and gentlemen, is, Bill Nye, pro and con. Uh, the good side is we get more yield for, per hectare or acre. Okay, one. So in other words, we have less uh, impactful farming. In other words, we affect the ecosystem less because we'll produce more food on less land. That's the upside of okay, genetically modified. That's one four. We're using biology to fight pests and diseases rather than chemistry. That's two four. So that's good. The unintended consequence, the classic one, is either the things you don't know, to be, not to go all uh, misguided military principle uh, policy on you, but mm -hmm. the unknowns, the known unknowns. The known unknowns. Like, well, you don't know what you're going to do. But right. the, the one that everybody has observed is the monarch butterflies, where we have reduced their population 90%, not as a consequence exactly of raising genetically modified food, but by using this extraordinarily effective herbicide that has killed the milk flowers or milkweeds, which nourish the monarchs. So an un unintended consequence there. And so are there ones that you don't know? Are so, there other insects and pollinators that you affected accidentally by messing up their food source? And the other unintended consequence, uh, and not a necessary one, is by monoculture farming. Enormous tracts of a single type of plant make it very hard for bee, bees as pollinators to get the job done. They right. got to go out there, do that one crop, then there's nothing to do and somebody puts them back in a box and puts them on a truck and takes them to a different crop and they just get beaten up. They right. can't handle it. But this is not necessarily- They get bees coming home stressed out. They do. They are. Babe, God, what a day. I got to tell you. That's you right. should have seen it. It's Except stressed it's on and it's on forever. Voice. It's oh, a girl voice. Oh, that's correct because all the bees are female. That's, all the ones that right, are the pollinated. Right, yeah. So go, go ahead. Do it again. Honey, I just can't believe the day I had. I'm yeah. telling you, this is just <laughs> awful. Those Chuck Nice is Hymenoptera Vespidae. <laughs> yes, all right. <laughs> Chuck Nice is a four-winged fly. All right, so uh, all right. Uh, the unintended consequences are things like the monarch butterflies and this monocultural farming, which uh, affects the pollinators and our whole agriculture system. So these are things that are avoidable. Gotcha. So it's good and bad, but it's manageable. And I think it's just a necessary consequence when you're going to have – 7.2 billion people become 9.2 billion people. You're going to have to do something to feed them. Mm -hmm. And indeed, we all prefer the texture, taste, and nutrients from nominally uh, hybridized crops over the last 10,000 years. Mm -hmm. And this modern biotechnological way of modifying is just the next thing humans are doing. Gotcha. So, all right, that was great to see you uh, argue both sides there. And basically, the, the, the biggest problem is the unknowns. Well, As, that's it. That's what you want to avoid. But you can't do it until you do it. You can't know until you do it. Though. But humans have been doing this for centuries. You know, we try this plant. It doesn't work. So we try that plant. And I, so the claim is. Believe me, I, I've been there. Yeah, so <laughs> the claim is that I you do it very carefully. <laughs> right. And so for those of you tuned into our previous episode, I talked about these guys are able to ask, these people are able to assay or sequence genes literally 10 million times faster I know, that's than they could even a decade ago. Fantastic. It's amazing. amazing. 10 million times. And the reason is people have invested in the technology, people, engineers who have developed the technology worked really hard on it because there's so much uh, to be, so much gain to be had. Uh-huh. And everybody prefers delicious corn to not delicious corn. Everybody prefers delicious apples to, or good-tasting apples, not right. to single out a particular flavor. 
I do like the Red Delicious. I'm a Honeycrisp man myself. I'm, I'm down with Honeycrisp. Yeah. But I, I will remind everybody, there's two things about Red Delicious that I really like. Uh, which are? They're red. Okay. And they're- Delicious? Yes. <laughs> I like my Galas. Yeah, Galas like are okay. Yeah, I like the Brayburn. Yeah, the Brayburn's all right, too. I'm, uh, I'm not a big Granny Smith guy, but I'll choke it down. Uh, uh, so anyway, <laughs> with that said, uh, when it comes to genetically modified food or crops, we right. just have to be diligent. Okay. So and here's that the deal. requires regulation. What? Now, see, now you lost me, man. Mm. I'm a Republican. I'm, I'm all against the regulation of any kind. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I'll watch for you when the light's red. <laughs> exactly. Uh, here we go. Dietrich. Dietrich. Oh, Jesus. What Dietrich? Is Dietrich. Thank you. Dietrich Inswig wants to know this. <clears throat> oh, Kaya. Dietrich Inswig Kaya. That's the name, right? Okay. D.I. Kaya. D.I. Kaya says- Do it yourself, Kaya. D there you go. No, Perfect. that's D.Y. I'm that sorry. Carry on. There we go. Hello, Mr. Nye. Do you foresee that GMOs will be the sole food source at the grocery stores anytime soon? Meaning, will food be so difficult to come by as the population grows ex exponentially that all food will have to be modified in some way so that it can be grown and harvested in widespread locations. Well, in other words, are we headed towards soiling green, but it's not people? Uh, the answer is we're already there. Ooh. Not to get too weird on you, but everything that you eat, with very few exceptions. I mean, you might wander through the occasional forest and eat a nut. Or uh, I remember uh, there were some wild blackberries that mm -hmm. I encountered often as a kid. You'll eat those, but generally everything you eat is from a farm where people over the last 10,000 years have hybridized, modified, selected artificially or induced choosing of uh, the offspring so that we got these the foods that we all enjoy today. So the answer is we're already there. Not to be dismissive, just that taking genes from one organism and putting them in another for farming mm -hmm. is what we're doing now which happens in nature from time to time. These viruses work their way into the genes of the, the classic is the sweet potatoes. Uh, this is happening naturally, so we're just doing it carefully and diligently and fast. And that's how we're able to feed so many people. All right. Now, here's an addendum to that question. I'm Please. Gonna, I'm going to speak on behalf of Chuck Nysko. Yes. So is, is there a possibility or a danger of centralizing our food source in such a concentrated fashion where we harm ourselves by giving too much power to the people that feed the world. I, I think psychologically there's a real fear amongst people of that being the case. So is it, I think I know what you mean, is it a corporation that you're afraid of? Abs, not, that's my point, man. Okay, but you're not exactly afraid of a farmer. No, I'm not afraid of a farmer because if I don't like my little upstate farmer guy i'm like all right well screw you upstate farmer guy i'm gonna go to downstate farmer guy okay, so but if the upstate farmer guy and the downstate farmer guy are all one guy well maybe i'm in a little bit of trouble now all right i get you so bear in mind farmers make choices mm -hmm. now look at what i sound like farmers make choices they can buy seeds from this guy or that guy all right and like everything else do you remember uh, gateway computers? Yes. I do. <laughs> okay. Like yes. everything else, uh, things have gotten consolidated because of international commerce has made it more efficient. And I understand our fear of corporations, but nevertheless, that is manageable through, dare I say it, 
regulation, mm-hmm. you know, where you would make it so that the marketplace is generally fair. So uh, this is, seems like a very solvable problem, but I, I am not worried about the man uh, taking over the world because farmers make choices and producing seeds with certain characteristics uh, is very competitive business. And so it'll, and the seed being one example, this will remain, this will be the way it is. You know, Roundup is a famous brand. Yes, it is. I have but, some in my basement. I hate to say no, it, but fine. I do. But there are dozens <laughs> of country companies, several of them are, are in Asia, mm-hmm. that manufacture a very similar glyphosate salt that is well-suited as an herbicide. Gotcha. So it's a competitive business. All right. Just that the glyphosate thing was so successful that everybody embraced it, home gardener and farm, industrial farmer alike. Gotcha. All right. Good stuff, man. Good question. All right. Biff Handy from Biff Handy. Now, Biff Handy's only got 30 seconds. You want to make this a cliffhanger? Let's make it a cliffhanger. Oh, man. Here we go. I'm going to read it like this. Hey, Bill, because I'm Biff. Uh, why is it that <laughs> we only From hear- Back to the Future, exactly. is that who you were there? Yeah. So why is it that we only hear about Monsanto when it comes to GMOs? Are there other companies anywhere else competing with them uh, that do anything differently that might make it better? Well, they're always trying to do it better. And the big one that Monsanto competes with is Dow. And the seed sign you'll see along the road is Pioneer. They compete with Monsanto head-to-head. So that's the Holy Trinity? Are they better? We'll be back after this on Star Talk Radio with Chuck Nice and Bill Nye. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. I'm your guest host, Bill Nye, sitting in for my beloved colleague, Neil deGrasse Tyson. And I'm here with another beloved colleague, of course, I mean... Chuck Nice, hey. hilarious science commentator. When we left the last segment, yes, there was questions as to whether a company like Monsanto has a competitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes. The big one is Dow, and their seed company is Pioneer, but there's several others, uh, ConAgra and so on, and there's Syngenta, which Monsanto is trying to acquire. And these are seed companies that compete very hard to make better plants, not, better crops. Not one of those names made me feel better about GMOs. Well, well uh, I mean, not one of you. You went from Monsanto to Dow. Well, this Ooh, is, oh, that the got people better. that are in the business. And then ConAgra. What do you want it to be called? Uh, farmhouse Seed? Yeah, see, now that's a company I can get behind. <laughs> so Farmhouse Seeds yeah. are really nice. Uh, you throw, They're friendly. Yeah, you know, and throw a name in there like Wilford. Like Wilford's farmhouse seeds. Okay, well, that's what like, they market all that stuff. But I remind you, these farmers. Look, I'm not in the farming business myself, except I have a nice garden. Uh, farmers choose what seeds to plant based on the ones that perform the best, not based on gunpoint from a corporation. Kind of makes sense. So, uh, what you're saying, there is a market. It is in competition. It may huge. not be perfect competition, but it's in competition. So, think how many car companies there are. I'm thinking. Are there thousands? No. Yeah, there's a handful. There's a handful. And even they talk about uh, And even those handfuls are yeah. owned yeah. by just a few. Because it, it's a hard thing to make a complicated thing like a car. Okay. And it's a hard thing to make a complicated thing like a seed that's resistant to a specific insect. It's a complicated business. People gotcha. invest a lot of money. So, so you're I, not going to have a bunch of people in this business. It's basically it, just the nature of the well, business Well, when you itself. say a bunch, there's a handful, right. and it's very competitive among the handfuls. Okay. The thing where the idea that there's a, um, 
a conspiracy to take over the world, I'm very skeptical of because they really are out to get each other. All right. Okay. Listen, that was actually a very thoughtful answer. You to, don't have to sound so surprised, Mr. Nice. I, 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 you're right. I shouldn't. You know, that was a thoughtful answer, and I'm not surprised at all, Bill. Thank you, Chuck. Okay, here we go. So let's move on to Joe Gessua, uh, or Gessior. So he's coming from Gessua. Facebook, and he says, <laughs> he goes, he hey, Bill, <laughs> don't forget the dioxins. Better address this one, Bill. Uh, yeah, so dioxin was uh, another- I, I put that tone in there myself, uh, Thank you, the yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I think you're in the spirit mm -hmm. of his uh, in inquiry, his mm -hmm. query. Mm -hmm. uh, the uh, dioxins were another chemical used, I guess, as a pesticide that turned out to have really troubling consequences. Okay. And so they've been curtailed, stopped. But I've met people in the biotech industry, in the seed business, who think DDT is a, was a great thing because it- Because uh, it did the job. Well, suppressed mosquitoes right. and that suppressed malaria, but- I'm not sure DDT is what we all want to be drinking. And so dioxin was even more uh, aggressive as a medical problem. And so it's been curtailed. Just that these companies used to make uh, deadly uh, herbicides used in warfare, Agent Orange. Mm -hmm. Well, they're, they were hired to do that and they're not doing it anymore. I, I don't know how responsible we should hold them. However, we should learn from the past. Like don't, don't just make stuff that's amazingly deadly and spread it all over the place on another country and take no responsibility for it. So, you know, that sounds like a good policy. But this, once again, Chuck, demands that that evil word that is troubling to so many people nowadays, regulation, regulation. <laughs> mm -hmm. where we'd all get together and decide what's fair and make people stick to it. Regulators, mount up. Okay. Well, in moderation. So <laughs> uh, in general... This is a solvable problem. Mm -hmm. Far, the seed companies are in business to f sell seeds to farmers, and farmers want to buy seeds that they want to buy. And the, so the market takes care of it. However, having companies make pesticides or herbicides, which have bad consequences, you can regulate that. I think what happens is, in the mind of the consumer, is you have a company like Monsanto who makes the seeds – they genetically modify the seeds. They modify the plants to create the seeds. They modify the plants to create the seeds. And then they plant those seeds. Then they make the food. And they also put the food on the shelf. And I think this is where a great deal of suspicion stems vertically from. Vertically integrated. It's vertically integrated. Concerns and that you. makes you that makes you scary. You know, that, that, that's, that's... Scared. A, yeah, it's... it's Scared. Well, yes, you. Thank are you. frightened. I'm frightened. <laughs> <laughs> Sitting here is very troubling. Uh, I, I know what you meant, though. Okay. It's another adjective related, the same root. Right. I got you. But root, pun intended, when it comes to agriculture. So the, the deal is farmers make choices. They can do business with Pioneer or Monsanto or whatever, and... Uh, you can buy food from this guy or that guy. But I know what you mean. It's troubling when you feel like you're out of control. Right, because the whole so process from why, stem to stern seems to be them. This is why uh, the non-GMO movement has a place. Okay. We'll see if that's economically competitive. Like, uh, And you can say corporations are squashing them. I don't think so. I think you'll find that organic farming takes more input than uh, than. Uh, farming with genetically modified crops. And so we'll let the marketplace sort that out. I mean, people make jokes about a certain business and they call it whole paycheck. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Because the food is so expensive. Yeah, that's right. Because it's what grown it takes in such small, small quantities with high input. So we'll see what happens in the marketplace. All right. Okay, so let's move on to uh, Tristan Cooper. Tristan Cooper wants to know, is it possible to genetically modify an animal to receive part of its daily energy requirement from photosynthesis? Now, this guy has gone sci-fi, baby. <laughs> well, there is an animal that makes a living that way, the oh, really? zoazantheli, the coral. You are absolutely Oh my God, I never thought of it because coral is a living animal. Yeah. And it also gets its food from the sun. So it has a deal with some photosynthesizing uh, organisms inside it. And a deal, it's a symbiotic mm-hmm. relationship. So whether we're going to have green cows, I, I'm open minded, but I'm not sure because you think how much land, how much grass a cow has to consume to make its living. Mm-hmm. In other words, you, in order to get that much energy, the cow would have to be as big as a field. <laughs> uh, and so I get it. There could be a compromise of a giant solar panel cow that gets some of its energy from the sun and right. some of it from the grass. But what has happened through evolution is we have cows eating grass. Gotcha. Right. Okay. So and that's an example. So it could happen. It's just not it doesn't going seem that likely. to. However, on a much smaller scale at sea... It does happen with the zoosanthelli, which is the coral. Fantastic, man! That was that was actually a, I, I thought it was going to be a silly question, but it's actually a very good question. Uh, you know, well, of course, our cosmic queerers, querists, inquirers, our cosmic inquirers. There we go. Our yeah, cosmic yeah. inquirers are thoughtfully thoughtful, and of course, they're wonderful questions. Chuck, let's take another. All right. Okay. Uh, hey, Bill. Are there any true non-GMO foods? In other words, vegetables that just grow wild somewhere, no input from us whatsoever, and they have existed for years and years that way, uh, and, and we just pluck them up from the side of the road and eat them or whatever. So, yeah, uh, I, as a Boy Scout, spent some time eating wild carrots. Wild carrots. Which are also called, they go by the name Queen Anne's Lace because the flower is quite lovely. Oh, okay. And you pull them up and they're tiny. Baby They're Yes, they're the cutest little Tonka truck style carrots. And they're barely a centimeter and a half. They're barely an inch long. And uh, you pick them up and they really smell like carrots and you you cut them, trim them. They're a root vegetable and you boil them and you have Queen Anne's Lace soup. It's a thing to do. Right. And as far as I know, there's no genetic modification of those organisms. There you go. Uh, that's by way of one example. And people wander through the woods, they eat the nuts. There are some subsistence tribes right. that harvest certain places in truffles. the woods. Truffles. Truffles. Truffles, right. Uh, even truffles, my understanding, are cultivated. They're oh. you like you leave this area alone, let the truffles happen. Okay, and I didn't there. realize that. Well, I mean, I'm asking. And so then there's even if you're a subsistence tribe in a rainforest. You move from area to area and let those areas replenish. So it is not a not a huge step from that style of life, from from uh, sanctuary to sanctuary, gr- getting the food that comes ripe at the right time. Gotcha. To planting the stuff on purpose and managing it. Okay. And P.S. Uh, um, Michael actually says, "I'm writing you in for president." Okay. Oh, that's good. Right. Uh, good to know. So now it Who is would time. want that job? <laughs> man, oh man. Is it time for the lightning round? It's time! 
Yeah. We love the lightning round. Hit me the ball. All right. So our, our lightning round we're going to do as a potpourri. Okay? Just some miscellaneous questions from everywhere. All right? Here we go. This is Josquatch Stringer. Serious, that's the name, Josquatch Stringer. When can we get a new Bill Nye the Science Guy show? Even a web show? Anything, Bill, please. I'm working on it. I'm starting with Star Talk Radio. Bang. Let's talk about the space station. This comes from Brian. Let's talk about the space station. Do they get blinded by the sun every few minutes if continuously stargazing? I think the windows are tinted. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> Chuck, it wasn't that funny. No, it's just... It's, you have the option as an astronaut of not staring at the sun. Okay. And the, the thing is not aimed right at the sun. In fact, the cupola where everybody hangs out there as an astronaut looks at the Earth because it's so beautiful and fascinating. Jennifer Halford from Facebook wants to know, when are you two going to discuss nuclear energy? I can suggest several dozen experts who would love to help you out. Why don't we talk more about nuclear energy, Bill? Nuclear energy has great promise, but the nuclear industry in the U.S. has kind of been, uh, how to say, not the most reliable. I used to live in Washington State. Every week there was a problem at Hanford, some leak, some solvent, some something. And But look at the country of France. Yeah. 40 years, they've been running 80% of their electricity with nuclear power plants. If we could get them figured out, maybe it's an alternative. However, I as a taxpayer and voter would like a little a little better track record from the nuclear industry. You blow you have 430 nuclear power commercial nuclear power plants and three of them have catastrophic failures. <gasps> That's not good. Okay. All right, this is uh, Jolene Williamson from Facebook who wants to know uh, Bill, are GMOs affecting the honeybees? Anybody? Indirectly, yes, uh, because <sighs> monocultures that is to say, our ability to grow enormous tracts of land into one style of plant has made the pollination of those plants troublesome for bees. They got to show up, they got to work this enormous field or sets of fields, and then they got to go back to their hive and get on a truck and go somewhere else. It wears them out, but it's an unintended consequence and something we could definitely address with careful farming practice. All right, Jeff Norbury wants to know, a little time travel here. What do you think the most profound scientific discovery of the 21st century will be? We're in the 21st century right now. What do you think? of Where, where are we headed? Where are we headed? Got no idea. However, I predict that in 100 years, people will know whether or not there was life on Mars, whether or not there was life on the moon of Jupiter, Europa. Let's get it done right now. Nice. Okay, this is Dave Harrison. What's to say? He says, in your opinion, sir, is the difference between a bad GMO and perhaps a good GMO, is there such a difference? Is there good and bad GMOs? Well, sure. Uh, some of those tomatoes that were produced were not very uh, enjoyable to consumers, and they don't make much of them anymore. Wow. There you go. So when they taste like crap, then uh, that's a bad GMO. Or they're GMO. bland. Or they're bland. Gotcha. Would every strain of GM, wouldn't every strain of GMO need to be medically tested to be sure it's safe for human consumption? And do we do that? Yeah, we do. The Department of Agriculture does that. That's, that's their gig. All right. And they are a government agency that works for the good of all, for you anti-regulation people out there. You got to have 
some regulation that the Department of Agriculture is a classic. Boom! Now, Chuck, this has been perhaps the most enjoyable cosmic query of my life. <laughs> and I'm very happy that you are here. Thank you all for listening to Star Talk Radio. I've been your host, Bill Nye, and I'm here with my guest science commentator, Chuck Nice. Tune in to Star Talk and turn it up loud.